Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we've got a great story of someone making sure the company that they got backstabbed from can't use the work they left behind for their profit. But first, a story from Sad Appearance 3247, 8 years in the making, but finally worth it. So this starts years ago when I was 19 and my ex, let's call John, was 22. I was the big-eyed, head-over-heels falling for him, the kind of young and infatuated that you would put up with anything. So John and I dated for five years, and in that time he cheated on me, dropped out of college, quit working for the last three years of it, which I didn't mind because he still paid bills thanks to his trust fund. Even bought a new car in cash while not working. Our relationship rift started when I wanted to go to grad school. I told him that I might have to work less and need help with the bills, which he shut down immediately. This was kind of my last straw in the relationship. He could essentially hold my worth as useless in the relationship by cheating on me but can't support me even slightly. So one day, I told him how I felt. He told me that cheating was because he wasn't sure of his sexuality and believes he might be bisexual. So what was I supposed to do now four years into our relationship? We agree we can try an open relationship. Obviously this is where it falls apart. He gets upset that I was hanging out with another guy which I thought was hypocritical. A few months pass and John declares that he's gay. I'm not upset or hurt. I continue to try to be a friend and supporting because I know his family's very homophobic. Because we dated for so long, much of our bills were together. So once I could get out of everything financially, we officially break up. I think, well, that's it. Wrong. John started on the slander train telling people I cheated on him, trying to turn my childhood friends against me. He was very much still in the closet. Little did he know, many of his accounts were still logged into my phone and computer, including his iCloud. So I went through a deep dive, screenshotting everything I know that's taboo to his family. Him getting railed, him with a you-know-what in his mouth, you get the idea. Found more evidence of him cheating throughout the years. I didn't do anything with the photos until three years later. Apparently a mutual friend said he was still in the closet talking about me to his family. So I started a group chat on Facebook Messenger with everyone we both knew and uploaded the screenshots and photos. Immediately removed myself from it and let chaos ensue. This has nothing to do with his sexuality but him being a jerk to me. I know life is difficult and hard for the LGBT community. If I could have shown his family what crap he was without outing him, I would have. So I guess OP clarified that the photos weren't like actual graphic photos, I guess you could say. They were fully clothed and like kissing or implying a relationship like PDA. So considering this guy went behind OP's back and kept talking bad about OP to their own family, to their childhood friends, was what OP did here justified? Or is it just always going too far to leak photos of any kind like that? Should OP have just dealt with the accusations? I'd like to know what you guys think in the comments down below. This next story is from Wandering to Nowhere, Bob is Dead. 
This happened 20 plus years ago, back in the days when everybody had a landline with an answering machine. Yes, I am old. I moved to a new city, got my phone line hooked up, and almost immediately started getting phone calls for whoever owned my phone number before me. I'll call him Bob because that was his name. The number of phone calls was ridiculous. I would come home from work to at least 5 or 6 messages on the answering machine asking Bob to call them back throughout the evening and as late as midnight, sometimes later, I'd get more calls for Bob. All day long on the weekends, it seemed like a mix of business, bill collectors and friends and family of Bob. Each person I talked to, I would explain that this wasn't Bob's number anymore and I hoped that eventually the people leaving messages would figure out that they had the wrong number. But nope, five months later and I was still getting eight or ten phone calls a day for Bob. So I changed the message on my answering machine. I started it with, if you're calling for Bob, stop calling this number, Bob is dead. If you're calling for OP, leave a message after the beep. It seemed to work. Over the next month or so, the number of messages had dropped to just one or two a day. And then one day I got the message, this is Bob, I am not dead, stop telling people that I'm dead. You made my mother cry, change your message immediately. I laughed and left the message alone. Bob must have finally started giving his new number to people because the wrong numbers dropped to just one every week or so after that. Let me tell you, I'm old enough to be alive where I had a phone line, and honestly, I had a landline phone probably a lot longer than most people held out, and one of the things I will not regret losing is the telemarketers were able to reach you so much harder. There was just an expectation, you know, that you call that home phone, you probably have, you know, two, three sets somewhere around the house, your whole house just starts going ring, 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 the answering machine starts playing out loud. As we moved on to cell phones and people just started, you know, basically not picking up the phone for pretty much any number they did not recognize, I was honestly way more grateful of that. Our next story is from SJC Lynn, party of 12 at 7pm, sure, we'll be ready for you. Some years ago, we started to get phone calls for a rather upscale downtown restaurant. We would tell them that they had the wrong number, but they kept coming so there had to be a reason. After a few tries, we were able to find out where they got our number. One of the restaurant managers had cards printed up with our number on it. We called the restaurant a few times and informed them what was happening. They said they would take care of it, but didn't. I stopped trying the nice route when they basically told me to screw off and stop calling. I stopped calling as they requested and started to accept reservations. They probably didn't notice since the first ones were for small parties that could be worked in. The calls finally stopped after I took a reservation for a party of 12 at 7pm. I felt a little sorry for the party expecting a table to be ready for them, but I consider that to be collateral damage. In situations like this where they're not doing anything to correct the blatantly wrong information and it's affecting you, what more can you do than otherwise just make life harder for those people, hopefully in a way that makes them recognize the issue at hand and correct it? By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. This next story is from Tina Lane Zero. Loud neighbor keeps being loud, so I informed her last rental of her new address. I live in a duplex and we share a wall. The neighbor that moved in is constantly screaming and berating her kids every single day at the top of her lungs. My dad went over to talk to her about it and she apologized to him. I messaged our property management about insulating the walls due to the noise since they were already planning to do the attic, and I guess they told her. 
That pissed her off, so now she's being loud on purpose. The walls are super thin, so I heard her entire conversation with the property manager, calling my dad all kinds of names, and then hanging up to tell her cousin what she was going to do in retaliation. Here's the revenge. She obviously doesn't understand how thin the walls are or doesn't care. I heard her yelling on the phone with a former property management place, and she apparently caused some damage to the tune of $1,000. She blocked their number, but from the conversation, I was able to look up their contact information and sent them the necessary info to follow up with her in case they need to file a suit. Good luck paying your rent. She already complains about money and no one helping her out. I wonder why. All I can say is, it's no surprise to me that nobody wants to help out somebody like that. If you want somebody to help you out, you gotta be a person worth helping. Our next story is from Nyark. Shampoo to clean the toilet. Small pettiness between housemates. I have a housemate who's filthy and either lazy or oblivious. The bathroom we shared is disgusting. He declined having a written roster and that he would know. At first, I was cleaning it with him promising to do his share. Nope, he didn't do crap in a year. Oh yeah, after months he cleaned once, then he knocked on my door to proudly show he was doing it. Recently I found out he also uses my shampoo that I had to remove from the bathroom as he was running low on his. He bought a new shampoo so mine came back to the bathroom. But obviously it wouldn't be this easy, right? He kept using mine while having a full bottle of high-end shampoo. I've decided his high-end shampoo is as good as any toilet cleaner product. I consider this a cleaning tax. I mean, if you're going to be in the situation where you do keep cleaning it and they're not picking up their slack, I mean, hey, use that shampoo. Get a little petty about it and get a little bit of payback that makes you feel a little bit better. This next story is from Primary Valuable 5607 You're not going to exploit my knowledge. This was 16 years ago. I'm a hairdresser and love doing color. In the early years of my career, I went to a lot of additional color classes, so I have an in-depth knowledge of color theory. I'd been working in one particular salon for a few years and had bought and grew a darn good clientele when I had gotten pregnant for my twins. I was in my 30s at the time and there were a lot of concerns about my physical well-being by my team of physicians. While pregnant, my employer found out she had cancer. I'm very loyal to people I consider a friend. And when I tell you I went above and beyond, even while experiencing a high-risk pregnancy, it's not an exaggeration. I was supposed to be cutting my hours, but instead, I would frequently open and close her salon a few times a week, picking up more hours, being as I was only one of three people that had a key and alarm code. I literally did everything I could to assist her during a very stressful and scary time in her life. She even used to go so far as to joke that I would drop my twins on the salon floor I worked such long hard hours. I also have to add that during this time, I caught my twin's father cheating on me when I was six months pregnant and dumped him immediately. This is going to be important info later on. After three hospitalizations and three weeks out from my due date, after the last 24-hour hospitalization, I finally started my maternity leave. I was back to work one day a week, three weeks after having a C-section, so six weeks total maternity leave. And two weeks after that, I was back to my regular work schedule with newborn twins. I'll also add that my twins' father was being a jerk, not showing up for scheduled weekend visits, jamming me up on childcare, and overall just wreaking havoc in my life. While all of this is going on, one of my clients informed me that they were being encouraged to schedule with another stylist, since my employer didn't believe I was going to stay because of my new babies. Of course I was staying. I was a single mom 
I needed my income. And every time you switch a salon, you're projected to lose 10% of your clientele at least. There'd also been a few passive-aggressive comments by my employer. You know, the one I'd gone above and beyond to be supportive of while she was going through it? About running late or needing to reschedule clients last minute, because my ex was jamming me up. She also started complaining about me double booking, which I'd been doing for years, and is standard operating procedure in this line of work. Needless to say, I saw where this was going, so cue my petty revenge. I proceeded to take all of my client cards home that we were mandated to keep at the front desk and changed all my color formulations to their target colors only. My employer noticed my cards were missing and called me, asking where they were. I gave her a BS story about the info needing updating, and I would bring them back my next scheduled workday. The following week, with no notice, I was terminated. But my revenge plan was already in motion. I heard from another stylist a few weeks after that that my clients were getting pissed. These clients were being assured that the other stylists could provide the same service, as they had the color formulations, and the caveat, they were giving discount prices to keep the clientele. So not only were they trying to undercut me financially, but trying to use my knowledge to do it. But these nimrods proceeded to mix exactly what I had on the cards, when a cursory review of the client's hair and a basic knowledge of color theory would have indicated what was on the card was not the actual formulation, but the target color. Imagine orange hair instead of a deep red violet, or extremely brassy in lieu of a beige blonde. That's right, people had to think for their money and not ride my coattails. I might not have been able to keep all my clients, but no one else was going to make money off of investments I made in myself either. To this day, I absolutely refuse to leave my formulations accessible to anyone else, and have never, ever trusted another employer to have my back. This story kind of poses a really good question. If there is a job where you create of your own mind and have your own, I guess you could say recipe of sorts, is there ever a situation where you can trust your employer? Or is it something that you always just have to be on the lookout for or always be kind of ready for in the back of your mind? I'd like to know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from Jolly Matlot, Game of Petty Chess with the Neighbor. I moved into a house a couple of years ago with unusual shared access. Two neighbors to my left are lovely. Let's call them number one and two. Then my neighbor at four, aka Dick Dastardly. There are two ways to access our homes, all of which cross over the DD's land. We also share off-road parking annoyingly. Dick Dastardly owns the strip nearest the road to which he's put a gate across the entrance. He often came out intimidating number one and two, shouting at them about parking and not following the details of the deeds of the land. This dates back several hundred years and are primarily irrelevant. For example, you can't have religious meetings, keep sheep or horses on the driveway. He sent them solicitor's letters, basically making their life a misery. Until I turned up. I'm a big guy with a lot of common sense. He tried to assert his authority as soon as I moved in by saying no to anything I suggested. For example, cable TV, faster broadband, me paying for an automatic gate for all of us to use. He takes photos of my garage and tarmac, god knows why. The list goes on. Let the petty wars begin. I win the hearts and minds of all the neighbors in the street. I've been funny, charming, and helpful. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Laughing with the rest of the road. I've got number one and number two working with me via WhatsApp on the gate opening. See below. I've studied the deeds and followed them exactly. If the gate is closed, we open it and leave it open. Nothing enacts about gates or locks. We park our cars with the wheels right up to the boundary, with the vehicle overhanging onto his land. He doesn't own the air above his ground. He must be outside closing the gate ten plus times a day. We slowly stroll past his house windows. I've had a bin cupboard built adjacent to his parking. And the pettiest of all, a long-term move. I've replaced all my fencing inside the existing fencing facing his garden. It's cost me a minimal amount of land, but it's oh so worth as I've said he can't touch my fence to make it look nice on his side. His response has been to glare at me with hatred in his heart and threatens me with solicitor's letters. I've remained calm and said, I look forward to seeing him in court. No letter ever arrived. His latest move is to move his bins close to my car. It doesn't affect me, so I don't mind. I still have the ultimate move to make, and that's to park my car in front of his garage. The deeds state that I have to allow access. He doesn't use it for a car, so all I have to do is leave enough space for him to open it, but no more. My nice neighbor's life have improved so much that we often had a cuppa together, and we've turned the jerk from an intimidating bully into a character we laugh at. I shall report back over the years with updates. I mean, I'm sure the stature of OP helps being a big guy, but I think this is more about just mindset and knowing your rights, not letting someone try to steamroll you over with baseless threats. And Lord knows that most people that are threatening some kind of legal action don't actually want to go through the bother of filing anything in court, getting a lawyer, paying any of the fees to get to that point. Just like you can't just declare, I'm declaring bankruptcy. You can't say, I'm suing you and just have that alone be enough of a threat. And our final story of the day is from Red Squirrel. Back into my piece of crap car and blow me off for months? You'll pay, just you wait. The story's from a better part of a decade ago, when I was pretty naive and only a couple years out of high school. I had a bit of a rough patch after dropping out of university and ended up living in my 06 Corolla, manual transmission with a roller windows, the bare bones build, for a number of months. At some point during this time, I was waiting for a pump to open up at a gas station with my younger sister when another sedan backs out of one of the spots straight into the side of my vehicle. I got out right away as the line wasn't moving and surveyed the damage, while the two gentlemen from the offending vehicle approached me. 
as I observed two or three pretty obvious dings on two of the panels that joined near the rear wheel well, the man from the passenger seat engaged communications, telling me that he'll give me $500 to take care of this right now. Now I may have been, and may still be naive, but I'd been in one prior accident, literally the first time I drove with my brand spanking new driver's license to get a gallon of milk for mom, and admitted fault very quickly, and was determined to be less panicked and more reserved in the event of another incident. So I declined the man's offer, and asked to exchange information with the driver, to which he supplied his driver's license, which I took a picture of, and his business card. His title was the Senior Vice President Relationship Manager at a bank a couple of towns over, and I also made sure to take a shot of his license plate. Satisfied that I knew who he was, although with a nagging doubt in my mind about not actually collecting any insurance information, I continued my evening and enjoyed sushi with my sister and parents. Initially, upon my contacting the offending party, communications were relatively smooth, with Mr. Banker asking me to get an official estimate to which I obliged. I didn't know anything about vehicle service beyond buying oil changes and fuel, so I just looked up a local body shop near me and went there. It was a shop one town over with a name like Frank's Auto Shop or the like, obviously a local kind of place. They assessed the damage, which was purely cosmetic damage, but it would require them to disassemble most of the port side of the vehicle, as the Corolla is, as I understand, designed to be cheap to manufacture and reliable but not convenient to do localized repairs. That estimate put us at about $1,600. I made no delay in relaying said estimate to Mr. Banker, who called me post-haste to inform me that, that's ridiculous, there's no way it costs that much. They're not a reputable shop. He then informs me to go to a different shop, which is a nationwide chain, think width of a bullet, which he says is reputable basically all but accusing me of trying to take him for a ride. I'm living in this car, man. I'm just trying not to get screwed out of what little I have. Anyways, I oblige him because I feel like it's more likely to lead to a resolution than arguing while I'm all flustered and nervous. But remember, I'm a sheltered 20-year-old who has no idea how any of this stuff actually works. So when I looked up the nearest branch under his preferred brand name and go there, I discover it's a branch that actually specializes in German cars like Porsche. I have no idea if this impacted their estimate in terms of hours worked, as obviously the Corolla would be a bit of an unfamiliar machine to them, but regardless, the new estimate put us closer to $2,000. I had a crap-eating grin walking out of that office. So I send Mr. Banker the new estimate from his oh-so-official shop. Turns out local guys actually can give great deals. Who knew? and I believe he pretty much ghosted me from there. One or two texts may have been exchanged. It's a little fuzzy. The gist of it was, he didn't want to deal with the situation. And I think that he knew I was nervous and a somewhat out of my depth kid, so he wanted to leverage his confidence and bully me into silence. Reddit, I'm not proud of it, but it worked for a time. I wasn't really doing what I needed to do or thinking the way I needed to think at this point in my life. So among all the other things I was neglecting, this situation fell by the wayside after a couple weeks. My parents, frustrated with my lack of life progress, were categorically unsupportive, despite my father being an attorney. As far as he was concerned, he paid for the car, which I was grateful for, and the insurance for that first couple of months, and that's all he needed to contribute. I don't blame him, but at the time it was pretty deflating, as I was always hoping that he would be my ace in the hole. 
After a number of months, probably around three to four, I finally found a job. It was a really sketchy, pure commission sales job over the phones that's a whole saga unto itself, but it did come with a sales manager who had some experience dealing with petty squabbles, and it was he who was my savior. After a couple of weeks or so of working for him, somehow the situation came up in conversation. Honestly, it probably didn't take that long. I tend to just blabber on and on about whatever's on my mind. And he suggested that, as I knew where he worked and had his license so I knew where he lived, I should make it personal. Under new boss's tutelage, I proceeded to type up a written sequence of events, starting with the gas station incident, including the multiple estimates and my open communication, and its reception of demeaning demands, and I printed multiple copies. I do consider myself to be a somewhat forceful and yet still conservative in the non-political sense writer, if that makes sense. I described the events that transpired with no flattery to the involved parties, but also no embellishment, judgment, or personal opinions. It's fantastic what you can achieve by choosing words with just a bit of a sinister tint, but which still describes the situation literally. Then with boss's encouragement and permission, I took a long lunch with him tagging along. We love to go to a local barbecue place where they served a sandwich with brisket, pulled pork, and a whole Italian sausage split down the middle all on one bun with a whole baked yam on the side for freaking $11 back in 2013. And we visited his condo building. I was lucky enough to be let in by a neighbor and proceeded to tape one copy of my little novel to his door for all the neighbors to read if they got home before him and then slid another under his door to make sure he had a chance to experience the pleasure himself. But we weren't finished yet. His neighbors might shame him, but they had no real leverage. That's just the petty part. Next, we visited his bank. Now, I was really hoping to catch him there, fluttering as my heart was, because I knew that with my boss right behind me to catch me if I faltered, I'd be able to confront him in glorious verbal combat. Unfortunately, I didn't get to live out my fantasy of little guy puffed up with big guy behind him cracking his knuckles menacingly just in case things get out of hand, but I did get to meet his boss, who was a lovely lady who was very open to listening to my explanation of why I was there, and even accepted the packet of papers I had with her own hands. Reddit, at this point, I saw the look in her eyes, and I knew that this would get his attention. I didn't think she cared about me, but I did know that she didn't enjoy being accosted at her place of work by some random almost teenager to complain about some very sketchy behavior by her big bad senior vice president relationship manager. He texted me the next day. I never found out what kind of repercussions he faced, if any. I don't know if it was the neighbors or his manager who put the screws to him. I can see it going either way. A guy living in a condo such as his probably cares about his image quite a bit, and his neighbors ridiculing him for such a thing could be as impactful as his boss demanding that he resolve the situation ASAP. Who knows? What I do know is that he was still very salty about the situation. I guess with my silence he had figured he won, and honestly he probably would have if I hadn't had a boss who took such a liking to me and encouraged me to believe in myself in dealing with the man. His text amounted to... I've sent the information to my insurance. As of now, I'm not involved. I was so relieved. I felt powerful and gratified. And like I was finally going to be able to move out of my car. My boss slowed me down. Before I could say anything back to Mr. Banker, he told me to just let him dictate. 
I happily obliged, paraphrasing, That's not how this works. You're involved until I'm paid and made whole. I will continue to be in contact about any complications moving forward until the situation is resolved. Petty. Tom Petty. Felt pretty nice. There was really no benefit to being in contact with him anymore other than rubbing it in his face that we had won. That his crappy behavior had only compounded the issue and now he gets to experience the bitterness of his at-fault accident all over again almost half a year later, along with his neighbors and co-workers knowing about it and knowing he tried to dodge it, and his manager knowing that it was one of the most baby-faced, nervous, skinniest kids possible coming up and publicly shaming him for his avarice. Anyways, that was really mostly the end of it. I don't remember if he responded to our petty text, or if there was anything afterwards. My lack of remembrance is probably evidence to the contrary. I imagine he sat and stewed in his impotence. As a bonus bit of juicy drama, remember how my dad had paid the car insurance for the time in which the accident occurred? Well, as I said, he'd been pretty radio silent on the whole issue, despite my lamenting it and opted to just do nothing to help me for the duration of the months where I felt powerless and taken advantage of. Now obviously I'm very biased in my feelings regarding the events that transpired here, so feel free to call me an entitled brat if you feel I was. But what transpired next really infuriated me and is something I've never actually totally forgiven him for. At some point, I was telling him how I had finally won, the whole story I'd typed here, and how I'd gone through the offending party's insurer and was set to receive about 900 bucks cash in lieu of accepting their, obviously BS discounted, repairs to the vehicle. They claimed that their guys would take the panels off for free so they didn't have to include the hourly labor for disassembling the panels in their estimate, cutting it down by about half. My dad, who had been disaffected by the whole scenario thus far, suddenly was very invested in the payout. He informed me that since the car was technically in his name, and since he had paid the insurance, he was taking that money, and he had every right to do so, as in order to communicate with the insurance people, he had to be on a three-way call to authorize the discussion as the title holder of the car. I felt like the fresh wind had been swept from my sails leaving a sagging feeling of powerlessness that was all too familiar. But luck struck me once again. The insurance agent who was speaking with us was informed through our conversation that I was the driver and only user of the vehicle, and I believe that it may have been mentioned that I was sleeping in it, so she did something she wasn't supposed to do. She assumed that the money was supposed to go to me. My father was only involved for that first call and his decision to bogart my payout was made known to me and me alone. So when the same agent called me to inform me that things were copacetic, she didn't ask, and I did not correct her. As I mentioned, my father is an attorney. He's actually a darn successful one. The amount of money actually means nothing to him. It was purely the principle of the matter that he received it. As a result, I received my check a week later and used it to get my first apartment and not be homeless. I remained silent on that front in fear that if he caught wind of his carelessness, he would demand repayment. It was pretty satisfying to inform him years down the road, now that we're in a different place in life, and I don't live under his thumb, that I'd received that money and that he'd never even thought about the fact that he never heard anything about it. To me, it got me a flat surface to sleep on. To him, apparently, an afterthought. My bonus was actually really long. I hope you enjoyed Reddit.
This is why you gotta have love and respect for anybody, whether it's a friend, a coworker, a relative, anybody that stands up for you and is willing to like take some time to just help you brainstorm some things. The fact that OP found this boss who was willing to go down there with them and empowered them to get back what they deserved? By far and away the best part of the story, I wish I could be as good of a person as that boss was in that moment. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another absolutely crazy revenge story, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the one on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.